everybody, and welcome to the Medivac Podcast. I'm your host for today, Christian Myers, joined by my co-host across the table, David Reed. Hey, guys. How's it going? So we've been getting a lot of requests lately. People want to know a little bit more about us and our stories. Uh, so we figured we would start with Dave today. So I'm going to interview Dave a little bit. You're going to hear about his story, how he lost his leg in Afghanistan. And we're going to just, you know, we're skipping the guests, you know? Yeah. I mean, we don't need them. We'll just talk about ourselves the whole time. I'm more important. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Yeah, it's kind of weird talking about our own stories after interviewing all of these guests. Yeah, it's, you a know? Game. it's kind of weird. It's yeah, kind of weird on this aspect. <laughs> well, for the for those of you who don't know, Dave and I have actually known each other since uh, early high school days. We've known each other for more than half our lives now, about, what, 16, 16 17 years, years something like that. And you had super long red hair, I curly did. red hair. It was down past my shoulders, for those of you who don't believe me, you won't find pictures Gages. anywhere. Gages, yeah. and you also, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of short shorts, as you know, Yeah, and you used to wear... Big baggy shorts. The ones past your knees, and that's oh, yeah. just socially not acceptable anymore. <laughs> I was a skateboarder. <laughs> you got to fit with the it's style. also like the 2000s. Yeah, it was like mid-2000s. Like very practical. Jinko Jink- jeans were in, Dave. Jesus. <laughs> oh, that's puka great. shell necklace talking over here. I did. I had a puka shell necklace with oh, every day. spiked hair. Spiked and hair. And a polo, I think, with a popped collar. At least two polos. Jeans. Both and collars popped. Sandals. Yeah. That's California though, baby. Yeah. I mean, that's that's still how I dress today. Yeah. But you, at least you could Shorter like, shorts. You know, crush the skateboard, you know, so it worked used, for you. Used to could, yeah. Used to could. <laughs> used to could be a good skateboarder, but not anymore. I don't know. I haven't stepped on one in a few years. Yeah. So yeah, that's, it's been a long time, 16 years we've known each other and we've got to see each other grow quite a bit throughout the years. I haven't changed know. much. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I, and I think that, it, you know, we got to see, you know, how high school was together. So that early adulthood, yeah. see how we grow and form together. And then both of us kind of went our separate ways, me in the army yep. and you in the air force. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll talk about that a little bit. I was there when you enlisted. I remember it very clearly. Yeah. So you were yeah. 17 years old. I was yeah. 17 years old when I um, originally signed up for the military and with parental consent. Why? Why did you sign up then? You know, you know, I was always, Glory. as a kid, I definitely always played that army guy in the backyard yeah. and glorified. War, if you will. Let's did you, not beat around the bush. I used to think war was cool. Did you really play army guy or did you play pretend Air Force guy? I might have been like a ninja hybrid of some sort. No, like I remember I you playing uh, Air Force Civil Air Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Civil Air Patrol. So you could say that I was a part of the Air Force Auxiliary. Yeah, technically. Yes. How long did you do that for? So, so originally why I wanted to go into the Civil Air Patrol is because I was really enamored by being a pilot. Um, I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Being a helicopter pilot. Right? Uh, at first it was like jets. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, hell yeah, get me on a jet. Then it was like <laughs> the Navy and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Be like yeah. Tom Cruise. No, Yeah, I know. So I was in... I did the Air Force Auxiliary because I wanted to do the pilot program, and they, they kind of teach you how to do that, get your civilian yeah. pilot license while you're doing it. Never finished the program because I decided to go into the Army, ultimately because I was impatient, you know, mm. because pilots take yeah. 10 years, you know, if not longer, to get behind the plane, and you have yeah. to be top 1%. And you have to go get a degree first, so you're going to spend four years in college and then two years in pilot training. 
that yeah. impatience. So I wanted to do something that would put me, you know, on the ground in the battlefield almost immediately. So it, it you know, it came up to the, you know, it never was regular army for me. You know, mm -hmm. I, I've lo I looked at every branch there was. Marines just didn't really, that wasn't my mentality at the time. And uh, our buddy Adam Green actually, yeah. um, you know, kind of introduced me to the Rangers uh, because his brother was in the service yep. for quite some time, Jeff. And um, I just, you know, was like, hell yeah, brother, I'm doing that. Yeah, I want to go break shit. Yeah, and it took <laughs> quite a bit of time because the recruiter was just giving me flack about my option 40, mm. which is the Ranger contract. He's like, we just don't have it available and stuff. And I luckily was hard-headed with that and was just like, nope, I'm not joining unless I get that contract. Yeah, it, and if you stick by that, what happens? You get your shit, right? You get your stuff. Yep, you yeah, get it. You really do. And, uh, you know, that's a message to all you guys out there too, is if you have a specific job in mind in the military that you really want to ascertain definitely, Take your time and be patient with it because four years is a long time <laughs> in the service. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, even longer for most people. You know, for a lot or a lot of people yeah. rather. Yeah. So I ended up getting that contract in, and you know I was still seventeen at the time doing that yeah. program. Uh, you know, the future soldier program is what it was called mm -hmm. back then. You know, working out and doing all this stuff. Um, and two weeks after I graduated high school is when I shipped off to basic training. Yep. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Immediately departed and like, oh shit, there he goes. Goodbye. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly enough is I was like hit my birthday right at mm -hmm. MAPS. So I was still, still 17 when I was actually in the service. Yeah. It's so funny. Turned yeah. 18 in basic training. Young buck, man. Yeah. That was many, many years ago. Yeah. <clears throat> now we're old. So you go to basic training, you do all that shit. That's boring. No one likes that. Then you go to AIT, right? Yeah. So talk about that it, a little bit. It, you know, infantry basic was, in my opinion, you know, pretty easy. You know, it was a lot of bullshit. Getting mm -hmm. used to the bullshit. Sure. <clears throat> AIT, same thing. It's infantry basic training. Um, and then I went off to um, airborne school. So airborne school is next. And <laughs> dude, I remember... You have to do a PT test there to go to RIP, what was called RIP then. It's called RASP now. It's a Ranger Indoctrination Program. Okay. Now it's Ranger Assessment Selection Program. But, uh, you know, RIP at, at that time, you know, required you at airborne school. As a matter of fact, this was an airborne school physical to start. I was in airborne holding mm. and I had the worst sickness of my life. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure that I shit my pants. <laughs> had early COVID, huh? <laughs> and had to run the miles and stuff. <laughs> so I just like, I barely, you know, and I, I consider myself like, you know, really, uh, you know, a decent pt -er, you know, yeah. and I- Yeah, you look like it. Barely passed, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> all the carbs I ate, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know, as a pt -er, and I barely passed that test to get into airborne school. But I, I, you know, I mean, I, I had probably 104 fever, like, oh. <laughs> and r running with a poopy diaper. Oh yeah, yeah. exactly. It was, yeah. it was terrible. It's it was gross. terrible. And it was really <laughs> early in the morning. Anyway, was able to go to air, airborne school and, and, you know, I, I think I was drunk the entire time I was there. That sounds about right. <laughs> you know, yeah. airborne shuffle, my knees are all, uh, you know, yeah. shot, but throwing up every 30 minutes. It was a good time in, um, you know, jumping out of planes and stuff. I'm, right. I'm, you Airborne know, that, school sounds like it sucks, to be honest. I, coming from a skydiver standpoint, I've only ever jumped out of planes with a sport sport rig. I did a round one single time in the, in the water, but it sounds horrible 
comparatively to skydiving. Uh, and and you're, you, you hit it right on the head with that, honestly, because the army or military in general has a really good way of making super fun things suck. Yeah. You know, like, they're like, you know, oh, is it, wouldn't it be fun to jump out of a plane? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Let, you know, wait, wait, wait. Let me just add 300 pounds of gear on you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it at night. Oh, and then we're going to hit 600 feet uh, <laughs> at, with this, you know, T-11, you know, T-10s back then. Uh, parachute and you're just going to burn into the ground. It's fine. So I ripped my, you know, ACU pants every single time I landed, you know, because they had <laughs> like stupid fire. Crotch to knee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I didn't wear underwear back then. Who does in the military? Uh, I mean, so, you, so, <laughs> so you're shirt cocking it on every so, jump, huh? So, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, fast forward a little bit to when I was at my unit, you know, we were doing night ops and airfield seizure, you know, training. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I, I burn in for a night night op, we burn right into the deck, rip from crotch to knee, just like you said. Every single time. And, you know, here I am trying to orient myself and find the, you know, the rally point. Yeah. And, you know, I eventually find it. I take a knee and I'm just like, my whole package is flopping around. <laughs> and they're like, Sergeant Reed, what is going on with that? You know, and I'm like, there's nothing I could do about it. Just drive on. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know what you expect from me, but I'm here to continue. Yeah, yeah. I'm just shirt cocking it. Shirt cocking it, yeah. <laughs> shirt cocking it on Mish. Yeah, That's so okay. that was airborne school. Um, it was a good time in, and ranger selection was pretty brutal. It horrible? Was, it was horrible. Yeah. It was horrible. It doesn't sound fun. That turned me off from, uh, I was all gung-ho about Army Rangers when I heard you you, t- you and Adam talking about it. You know, my two older friends going off. I'm like, that sounds like fun. They get to go kill shit and break shit. And as soon as you guys got through RIP, you're like, don't don't fucking do it. This is horrible. Oh, it awful. <laughs> and that actually brings up a good story about your parents. Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of, like, us being friends, there's three of us as, as you know, best friends back in the day. Good and people. Both. So Adam Green... And myself went off to Rangers, and your parents called me. Oh yeah, and just were livid. Yeah, it's livid joining the military. Joining the blah, mil- blah blah blah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on you, Mom. I already signed up. <laughs> Years later, I won't let Lisa forget it. <laughs> so if you're watching, oh, she watches every episode. <laughs> She's gonna hear this. Our one viewer. Now, <laughs> So yeah, yeah. So Ranger Selection was great. I got to uh, pretty much get hazed the entire time I was there. You deserved it. Um, you know, uh, you I'm, did. <laughs> you know, you did. did. I probably <laughs> did. Made me tough. Made me strong. Uh, and then I was off to the unit, which I thought, you know, like everybody else does, no matter how many warnings you get, you know, as soon as you're done with the Ranger Selection, it doesn't get easier from there. Well, talk talk about Ranger Selection a little bit because there's like a what a four part process to it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, really, I'd like to consider it two parts. Two parts. It's one part is to get you to quit, mm-hmm. and the other part is to educate you on to what you will be learning as a ranger. Yeah. You know, so right. um, in that know, order, I imagine. Yeah, in that order, but yeah. like probably eighty twenty. You okay. know, like eighty percent <laughs> hazing until you quit, and then twenty percent. No, it's actually gotten a lot better now. Mm. They've doubled the program length. <laughs> so. Um, you know, when I when I talk about hazing, it's more like, uh, you know, I remember we're in this 1950s barracks, you know, at, at, in Georgia, uh, Fort Benning. And, I mean, Beautiful. to the point where you could put your finger through, like, the wall because the paint has just been caked on numerous times this over and over again. By the lead-lined paint. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're like, just cover this up. Yeah, don't eat this. <laughs> but... um 
you know, they, we, you know, these buildings are what, you know, seven, eight stories, Yeah, you know? And, you know, one, one day we come in and they're like, okay, all these metal lockers and all these bunks, I need you to mirror this top floor and put all of these bunks and lockers in the quad in the same formation. <laughs> and I was like, you know, at the time you're like, you know, 18 years old, you're like, like what the hell is this why, for? Why am I doing this? And okay. you're, I mean, like going down the staircases with these metal lockers, you remember how massive yeah. those were, you're just getting cut up, beat up and stuff. And we finally get this all, it takes us like half a day to set this up. And then they go, okay, bring it back upstairs. Put it back. <laughs> so sure as shit, we knew that was happening. We got it all set up back up upstairs again and... <clears throat> And then we're like, oh, we're done for the day. Thank God. Nope. Do it again. <laughs> we did it three times and they, they were like, let's hit a number, you know? So when I first started my Ranger selection, you know, we had almost 550, mm-hmm. you know, in holding throughout the program and about 80 of us were, were selected yeah. for. So it's a substantial attrition rate. Oh yeah. 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 And, but it was because you're playing games, Yeah, you know, it's like, we're going to do, uh, you know, monkey fuckers for three hours until 10 people leave, you know, or 10 people pick up and. And it's funny that when you're, when you're in it or while it's happening, it's the worst thing in the world. Like, this is so stupid. This sucks so much. But if you stop and think about it, like, what did I actually do? Had to move some lockers downstairs and yeah. then get yelled at and then move some lockers upstairs. Why, why would you quit that? Like yeah. it, it's stupid while it's happening and it sucks while it's happening. But if you think about it objectively, you're like, that's not actually terrible. I'm just working out all day and getting yelled at. It's not a big yeah. deal. And I think that was the main thing for me that helped me get through all of it mm-hmm. is I never had like a quit mentality. I never thought of that as an option. It was yeah. just like, man, this sucks. Let's just get it done. You knew there was an end date. <clears throat> Uh, I mean, it would end eventually, right? I knew there was an end day, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So I think that was the biggest thing for me. All right. So you moved on to your unit, second bat, 75th battalion, JBLM, uh, Fort Lewis at the time, Mm -hmm. and uh, was introduced to my unit. Uh, and it was uh, (laughs) the same old shit, Yeah, you know, just another shit show, the spec four mafia, just... Graduated ranger school. I'm yeah. all cool. Show up Tab to your unit. Specs just, I yeah. mean, and got destroying crushed. you daily, getting your uniform set up and, you know, just a lot of monotony mm-hmm. involved with that. So but, you went on your first deployment pretty shortly after you got to your unit, right? I, yeah, I got to my unit and probably within three months, I was shipped off to Iraq. Mm-hmm. So my first deployment in Iraq was um, combat search and rescue. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, majority of that was I was attached to three P, two PJs and uh, we had three Rangers and our own bird. So okay. we had our own uh, Black Hawk. And you guys we were just, flying on army army birds. Yeah, so one sixtieth. Okay. Um, soar, yeah. soar. Yeah, they use you know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the cool guys. Yeah, yeah, the cool guys. Um, so you know that was a really you know kind of cool break. Yeah. You know? That's that's quite a bit different than like a normal ranger mission would be. Obviously, CSAR is more akin to pararescue or you know assets. Yeah, yeah, and and ultimately it was just because we were in such a hot area, they needed just additional support and manpower. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it would be, you know, we'd go out sometimes with uh, you know two PJs and three saws. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, would, it would get it would get hairy. Yeah, you know? I mean, this one time we went in and. Uh, 
you know, it was a downed Humvee. Okay. And hit an IED or... Yeah, it, it just, like, I wasn't privy to the conversations on okay. what was going on in the mics and stuff um, with with uh, the actual spin-up of the PJs and mm-hmm. stuff. But, I mean, those guys were incredible. Like, that was, you know, an opportunity to really sh- see what they did, you know, yeah. at a level of rescue where, you know, they'd go into these hot zone areas We'd cordon off the area with security, mm-hmm. and these guys in the middle of a firefight would be jaws of lifing these Humvees yeah. open, and just like bullets flying, completely oblivious, yeah. and just focused and oriented on the mission. And that's discipline, man. That is just it's complete. also it's also a trust, yeah. right? So, it, it, coming from an aviation background and a rescue background, you really have to trust everyone else to know what they're doing at that very moment, because you don't have time to consider other things. You have your job, they have to do their job, and you can't stop to consider, like, is my security element pulling security appropriately right now? Yeah. You don't have time to look at that because someone's actively dying. You're trying to save them. Trust. So, a little, little bit of stupid, a little bit of trust, a yeah. little bit of discipline. Yeah, I mean... Kind of all balled together. And then and then the, just the situations that you don't know are going to go awry. You yeah. know, I mean, you can't, you know, it's not Star Wars. <laughs> you can't see the blaster bolts. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, so just, you know, being unlucky or in the wrong place and then, you know, you have a hole and all of a sudden their back's completely exposed. Yeah. So, you know, that, that level of trust is important. Communication, keeping that line of, you know, line of communication open is so important. Yeah. So when you tell me stories about aviation and like trying to, break left and break right it just makes sense you know? yeah absolutely yeah the tr- the trust you have within within the helicopter is pretty pretty incredible we'll call it crm crew resource management and and it is pure pure trust in, in the in the cockpit to the back end i mean if a pilot tells me to do something i'm doing it if i tell the pilot to turn the helicopter a certain direction or mm-hmm. do something he's doing it without question yeah every single time it's pretty it's always impressive to me to watch happen yeah, and so you you know at the same time you got to probably like drop the egos and ranks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I'm sure you did the same thing on that deployment, acting in a CSR capacity, right? You guys were probably a little bit closer than yeah, normal. Yeah, but PJs are also beach bums, man. They are. I love them to death. It's Bunch like, of hippies, dude. Beautiful hair, oh, long know, hair, all they, the best gadgets. They always have weird. <laughs> they always have weird names. They always have weird names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of all of them do. Yeah, they're interesting. I'm not going to dime out any, any but... PJs, but they always have weird fucking first and last names. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a couple afterwards because I don't want to. A lot of them are still active duty, <laughs> but they'll laugh and they'll agree with this. It's the funniest thing in the world. They're always yeah, ultra man. hippie. It, it it really is. It's just that kind of beach bum mentality, which I really like and appreciate. So that was my first deployment in a in in Iraq. Do you have um, any uh, memorable missions from that or? Anything that stands uh, yeah, out? Yeah, that was one that I just just told John was, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, with war stories, I always like to kind of tell the opposite end. Sure, yeah. Is there is a lot of waiting mm-hmm. and there's a lot of excitement. You you know something's going to go down, and then the call in your ear is like, okay, you go know, right now, RTB, yep. you know, return to base, and uh, you know, there's those other moments where. You, you just hit it every night, mm-hmm. you know, every single night something's happening. Um, you know, uh, QRF's a big part of what Rangers do as well. Yep. So I'll get into that a little bit, uh, in a little bit later, but so that Iraq deployment, uh, pretty standard across the board. Um, All right. I didn't lose anyone close to me, which was, I think the biggest difference between my second deployment yeah. and my first 
Um, you know, so I still had that kind of young buck glorify war mentality. Yep. Made it through without a hitch. Hot shit. Yeah. I'm I'm invincible. Badass ranger. Yeah. And then, you know, you go back and it's six months of training till the next deployment. Yep. You know, and that within that, you know, you're still dealing with all this just new information and other people telling you, you know, hazing you this way and that way. And you're just like... (laughs) Right back to the shit. (laughs) Right back to the shit. And, you know, anyone who's a ranger could tell you that, you know, being a private in battalion is not a good place to be. Yeah, they make you continually earn your place there. They do. And that that, that's kind of the stipulation that I tell people is like it's it's not over after selection. You have to get to the unit and prove yourself. And usually people are doing that for a year, a year and a half before they get uh, picked up for ranger school. So that's a substantial amount of time. It is. Yeah. (laughs) I, I wouldn't I knew privates that had four or five deployments. That's crazy. Four or five deployments. And they would act like like they were big boss Ricky Ross. Sure. And, you know, I remember this one specific guy, uh, I won't say any names, <laughs> but he, he had five deployments. Mm. You know, he was one of those lifetime privates. Oh, and yeah, a couple, he's like, I'm dewies. a combat veteran, you know, blah, blah, blah. I know all my shit. And he, you know, he gave me an attitude like, you know, he was hot shit McGee. And I literally looked at him and I'm like, you're the same fucking rank. Dude. <laughs> you know, I'll see you in six months when I pass you. And sure as shit, I did, yeah. you know, as an NCO. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'll be back. Don't worry. I'm here for the long play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so you, you deal with that. You go to a lot of cool guy schools during those times, you know, if you're lucky and you know the right people. Right. Um, but then, uh, you know, before you know it, I was on my second deployment sure. yeah, to this, Afghanistan. Afghanistan this time. Yeah. yeah. What, what region were you in? So I was in Jalalabad, okay. JBAD at the time. Over on the border. Uh, yeah, with, with that, uh, conducting operations all over the AO, you know, so. Nice. Um, you know, that one was a tough deployment for me because that's when I first got to experience, you know, a loss of someone close to me, you mm-hmm. know. And, uh, you know, he... Uh, it's it's just it's it really changes the game for you a little bit, and you realize you're not invincible. You realize your your whole reasoning behind why you're there changes. Yep, you just kind of get an, a, a different perspective. And you know, there's always a there's a saying that's always resonated with me. Uh, you know, is that when you when you leave off to war, uh, you know, you leave you you leave laughing, but you return smiling. You sure. know, and that always resonated with me. And on my first deployment, I didn't get to experience that, you know, because I was young and I'm like, what are these guys talking about? You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, you know, someone goes down that you're close to and uh, then things change. Then you're like, okay, I'm not here for the glorification of war. I'm here to make sure that my brothers to the left and right go home with me. Exactly. And yeah. you unfortunately had to learn that the hard way by by losing some really close friends. Yeah, and it's just experience, right? It's yeah. just... And then you start second-guessing, like, why are you here? Why are we here? What's the, the main purpose? Yeah. Like, So you start kind of... It just like shakes your reality a little bit and starts questioning Absolutely. things. And especially when you remember those conversations. I remember... Uh, yeah, you know, when Joel was, you know, came up to me and, and, uh, was like, Hey, you know, I just, it just had a, you know, just about to have a, a, a baby on the way. His baby was on the way. Mm. And he's like, man, my headset went down, man. Can I, can I get your headset? And that was the last conversation we had, you know, was, and, and you just, your perspective flips in the way that you're just like, you don't real, no one realizes how fragile life actually is. Yep. 
You know, it's just at any moment it could change. It's one of those things you absolutely have to learn the hard way. Yeah. And it's it's an unfortunate reality, but but it's the way it is. And especially especially in those circumstances when it could be anybody. Yeah. Right. And you know what? It is easy to kill yourself, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, people make accidents all the time, you know, that you just don't realize how fragile it is, you know, falling off a ladder, putting up Christmas lights. Yeah, I swear, if I die like that... Yeah, oh. we had this conversation the other day, didn't we? Yeah, just, just leave me. Just, just ways yeah, to Just die. forget about me. <laughs> we were watching that Viking show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, these guys are charging battle, and I was, uh, you know, talking about how an arrow just like... Mm. Yeah, right, right in the face. Can you right imagine in the that? Face. And that's your life's journey. <laughs> yeah, at the ripe old age of like 17 years old when yeah, they're in the but, prime of their life. Yeah. <laughs> and you know they're feeling like the same way I was on my first deployment where I'm like, yes, I'm a hero. I'm going to go crush this. And then, Valhalla. Say, Valhalla. <laughs> and then you're just, you know, a B star in a movie. <laughs> yeah, you go from the hero of the story to immediately background character. I know. Arrow so, to the face. So that's been my goal as a ranger was to make sure that I was in the background character. <laughs> make sure I don't catch an arrow to the face. Yeah. 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 Oh, what a shitty way. Shitty way. Shitty way to go. Um, so what were you doing on the second deployment? You did CSAR primarily on your first deployment. So you were yeah, QRF so, or acting no, as a ranger? No, no, no. So on my second deployment was um, more or less, uh, you know, I, I like to call them police action call outs. Mm. So, uh, second mission's uh, priorities were uh, kill, capture, HVTs, high-value okay. targets. So, we'd go after the uh, guys, the IED facilitators, and mm-hmm. those uh, those guys really, the yeah, top-level lieutenants. Yeah, uh, the educated ones. The yeah. educated ones. And that was, you know, it was a cat and mouse game because you'd, you know, you know how information flies over there. So... <laughs> One of those things too, it's just like, you don't know what you're walking into almost every night. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you either got no one there or you're going to get ambushed. The, yeah. Those are the two pretty much options. So going from that mentality of, of, you know, having to walk in a room like, okay, this is, this could be smooth sailing last time it was yeah. and maintaining that vigilance where you go in the next time. And then all of a sudden they got a, a dishka set up in the wall, yep. you know? Well, yeah, when you go on five or six bullshit missions where nothing at all happens, you start to get complacent and you start to get relaxed a little bit. Yeah. And that's when shit really goes wrong, right? And that's what's yeah, exactly that's, when it happens. That's when you get exactly it, when there, there is a loss of discipline, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that is why, you know, it took me years to realize why we would break down and sit up the lockers downstairs, you know? It's discipline. because... It's a shit task. It's work. Yep. Um, but you need to be prepared and never quit. Like exactly. If we could, dr- if we could drive that home into you, of just that resilience. Yeah. Uh, y- there's going to be no stopping you. Well, you know? w- when you're on a mission and you have to, you know, ruck in twenty clicks and there's nobody there for you to kill, you got to ruck back twenty clicks. You're like, what yeah. a waste of time. Yeah. But at the same aspect, that's why they put you through all that training to waste your time. Yeah. <laughs> Appropriately. Good, good point. <laughs> a, a good caveat to that story is my first mission ever. This is an HVT mission. Mm. Uh, you know, right in. Uh, this was the first deployment. Still, we went in and get off the bird. And they're like, eight click infill. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> God, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and you know, as a private, you get to carry all the extra gear. Oh, why not? Yeah. And I was a uh, Gustav gunner at the time for this. So I was actually carrying, I was the AB at the time because I was 
the private, right? <laughs> and you carry six standard rounds of, of various assortments of ordnance, each weighing about eight to 10 pounds. Awesome. Awesome, right? <laughs> plus, <laughs> plus your M4, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot so of So you're looking at 50 pounds of just, you know, 50 to 60 pounds of just those rounds. Yeah, just the goose On rounds. top of your standard ranger load, uh, five, five, six. Yeah. you know, most of the time you're rocking the full, you know, you got the full kit on, yeah. the helmet, and it just, I, I think I weighed about 150 pounds extra <laughs> uh, when I weighed in to, to get the weight in for birds. <laughs> And I was just like, this is obnoxious. Looking at myself over 300 pounds on the, you know. Yeah, on the scale. On I got a ruck eight clicks now. Yeah. So I go, I'm walking in to this, uh, it's, an, it's, it's to capture this house that this facilitator was in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's this irrigation ditch right on the side. And I'm walking in probably like only two clicks in or three clicks Fall right into the irrigation grid, <laughs> just right at night. Just like everything, I'm so I'm just like soaked with all my rounds, just wet now too. Well, it's a good thing. It was a very deep. Uh, it was about up to you know my sternum level. It's a good thing because otherwise you just would have sank to the bottom. I know I would have had to do the old ranger combat water assessment. We had we had to pull a marine, well a marine's body out of an irrigation ditch in Afghanistan. Same thing happened. He fell in and drowned. Like. Just went straight to the bottom. It was well, too I deep. Ain't going out that way, bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's a good thing. It wasn't yeah. very deep. Yeah. But, you know, they tried to pull me out and uh, I could, they couldn't even pull me out. It was so heavy. Yeah. So I had to walk like through, probably 400 meters into this irrigation. Through the water. <laughs> through the water until I could get to a location to pull out of it. That sounds So it was freezing as shitty. Fuck. Yeah. Well, you were over there in the wintertime, right? Yep. Yeah. And uh, so we get off to this area, set up a BP. And nothing happens. First day, first mission. And I was like, oh, if this is the rest of the deployment, like I signed up for the wrong thing. <laughs> you know? This sucks. Yeah, it did. It, it totally sucked. So that was my second deployment. So um, did, did anything happen or did you guys have to ruck back or what? Oh, on that specific mission, yeah, it, nothing, nothing happened at all. Um, you guys were here for stories. I'm just going to tell you stuff that didn't happen. (laughs) Nothing happened at all, but, uh, you know, we, uh, found out that no one was there and we're like, let's walk back. Good thing it was half the distance back because we were like, we could call on the bird. Yes. Ain't nobody here. Come pick me up. No one's going to hear it. Yeah. So, so that was my second one, but you know, obviously it was full of, of very exciting moments. My second deployment is when I understood and realized what war was capable of, Mm. you know, you see, um, you see a lot of a, a lot of things that kind of rewires the way you think. You know, can you, can you expound on that a little bit? I mean, you know, uh, civilians picking up weapons and how you have to process that and react to that and live yeah. with that. You know, uh, yeah, kid, yeah, kids are the same way too, chucking grenades off roofs and you know. Yeah. It's just an unpredictable environment. So like you're constantly vigilant and it's no wonder why these people are coming back and, you know, they say it's PTS, but I think it's just really good training, you know? It could be, yeah. It's just like knowing your, you know, surroundings. Well, yeah, that and having a sense of morality attached to it, right? We, and unfortunately or fortunately, we're rather sheltered here in the States to the realities of actual war. Mm-hmm. And now we, we're seeing it firsthand uh, live on social media as you know the Russian invasion continues. 
people are getting a, a, a true reality check and seeing what war actually looks like as it happens. And it is on not, social media now. Yeah, and it's it's not a friendly thing. I mean, children no. die. You know, men and women who are not involved in combat operations die horrible deaths yeah. or, or are forced to do things that they would not normally do. And it, it really checks your morality, I think. Maintaining a strong sense of, of morals when you're over there can get in the way of you living mm-hmm. sometimes. Agreed. Agreed. Know? I mean, you're absolutely right. And, you know, as an addition to that, I would say that the U.S., Troops specifically, you know, Marines, sailors, airmen, all of these guys, service members in general, do this job so well to protect our country Mm. that the civilians who live in this country don't have to feel it. Don't have to feel the impact of war. Don't have to feel it. Don't have to see it. And and we're going to see very shortly when, you know, all these people start bitching about gas prices. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to happen. And it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but by the time that this episode is a airs. repercussion of war. Yeah, it is. And people need to realize that is war is happening. And, it, and you, you, you know, you could go get your Frappuccino mm-hmm. and you could go to the gym and work out and you're going to pay seven bucks a gallon of gas while other countries are going to get destroyed. Yep. And you're going to bitch about it. Yep. You know? <sighs> so <laughs> I don't even know what to so, say to that. So that's, that's when I kind of take a step back and say, We've, you know, as veterans, as military service members, first responders have done it so well that when I see that behavior, you know, yeah. we get to kind of say, you're welcome. Yeah, you know, you're welcome bit. for being complacent. You're welcome for, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> allowing you to get so soft. <laughs> yeah. Being so soft, you know, um, that's fair. Yeah. So just perspective changes, you know. Um, so I came back from my second deployment, did it well, performed very well, um, and was uh, immediately sent to ranger school. Okay. Uh, which was very fun, you know, coming back from a, you know, five month deployment uh, right into ranger school. Did you have any break at all? No, oh. no break, no break. <laughs> I sure. think I went AWOL for three days just, <laughs> just to get, you know. Go get a little I, bit I of remember, sleep. I, I did. I got raging drunk the night before I was supposed to go there because, you know, Rangers are like, oh, you're going to Ranger school. Let me duct tape you on a tree upside down and, you know. <laughs> Force a bottle of Jack down your yeah, throat. exactly. <laughs> so I was just raging drunk and, and uh, my buddy O'Shear at the time, he's out now, he's knocking on the door and he's like, Sergeant Major's looking for you right now. And I'm like, I'm like at this E3 at the time, just like, ah, my bad. I go in and he's like, well, you're setting the precedence for Ranger School, aren't you there? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, damn. So I go to Ranger School and that was, you know, at the time, it sucked. Mm. It sucks, right? Yeah, you had the last hard Ranger School, right? I was, yeah, I did it when it's hard. I was actually a winter ranger that went straight through and all our rangers out there know exactly what that means. (laughs) Winter ranger. So that means I went when it, you know, in Georgia when it was freezing cold. Yeah, walking through swamps and shit. And, you know, yeah, swamps, mountains, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, I was definitely a hungry ranger. Mm. I was not the tired, tired ranger was the hungry ranger, you know, so. So I went through the school, um, went straight through that um, and got back. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, went to a couple more schools and then like, it was just nonstop that time. And then third deployment right away. Yeah. No breaks at all. Straight through. No breaks at all. Straight through. So you signed up for special operations. I know, I know, you know, but at the time when I got back, it was just, everything changes as a tab spec four, you know, as you get, uh, you know, it's not 
like being a little mouse on alert all the time. <laughs> like everybody's going to come pounce on you. you. You can have a moment to breathe. You have a moment to I'm breathe. I'm 84. Yeah. I can breathe for a second. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So third deployment, um, you know, comes up quick. You know, I'm, you know, transitioned from, you know, all these infantry positions at this point. You know, I've earned my place in the line squad, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, you know, Specifically, those guys going in and kicking kicking down the doors, not blocking off areas or providing support in any capacity. Okay. You know, so we had, um, you know, my squad had uh, eight Afghani commandos attached to them as well. So we were running these kind of joint operations. Yeah. Uh, You know, back then, you know, in 2010, it was hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. So really trying to bolster up the... Uh, you know, surrounding military to be able to kind of take control of these operations. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of handholding during that because these guys, I mean, I would kick these guys through doors at, at times because <laughs> they just didn't want to go in and they'd hesitate. Yeah. And, and get you killed real quick. Yeah. And it would. Yeah. So, so on my third deployment, what we were doing was uh, it, we completely reevaluated our objectives or so our, our baseline mission uh and we went in uh was this team was called team merrill okay and what we were doing my specific company as a tech company uh was establishing rod sites so remain over day sites so essentially in layman's terms what we would do is fly in to a dz or an lz and march to a certain area that was usually a good, you know, 10, 12 clicks, you know, at night, bunker in to a, you know, fortified position, you know, you'd, a hidey you'd, hole. You'd, <laughs> yeah. you'd essentially like, yeah, you'd. So I'll, I'll give you an example of a Please. mission that we, that we were on. So Please. we're walking at night. This is a long time, a long freaking night hike. And I start smelling something good. Mm. And it was very fresh, right? And then I look around, you see these mountainous bushes. You can't really see at night, but you could kind of run your hand through it. Weed, weed farm. (laughs) It was a weed farm in Afghanistan, uh, this like huge compound. And, uh, you know, so we had two platoons with us at the time. We go in, we establish sites, put the gun positions up. You know, our 240s are on, facing every direction. Mm-hmm. Light comes up and then it's it's all out fire warfare right there. Sure. Yeah. So they, once they found out we were there, literally um, were shooting indirect fire at us, uh, mortars, the, the whole time that we were in there. Um, you know, I, I went in with 10 magazines at the time. Okay. And uh, was near black. Like, I mean, we were... We were getting beat up out there. Uh, Buddies were getting hit. Um, But anyway, they're, they're lobbing these mortars in and they're hitting the field right in front of us. And they're, they, they're lighting on fire, right? (laughs) These weed bushes. (laughs) And like, I'm third, three deployments in, you know, a little batshit crazy at this point. You gotta be, I was wearing, I didn't even have a helmet on. I was wearing a beanie or a, uh, uh, boonie cap, the boonie, <laughs> the boonie cap. I look like a, a crazy person. Full I was, predator mode. Yeah, yeah. I had a, a three twenty that was issued to me, which is like a handheld, uh, you know, grenade launcher. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, I didn't have it on me. One of our privates did, and I was like, "Hey, give me that, brother." <laughs> so I'm sitting there while he's reloading, just lobbing these these three twenties at yeah, this dude, forty millimeter grenades. And he's yeah. terrified. You could just tell he's terrified. And I looked at him, and you know, I kind of yelled. I was like, "They're gonna smoke us out." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> this poor guy must have a distinct memory of that. Like this fucking crazy guy. Yeah, yeah. Just a booty hat, middle of a firefight. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was the kind of situation where you know, in that night, you know, I mean, we were getting hit hard. We had to wait till night uh, hit again, and then break down a wall and low crawl out like four hundred meters until we could sprint to the, you know, uh, to the bird that was picking us up. And this was the official purpose, right? This was what a rod was for, was so, to go yeah, in I mean, and draw the fire. the way it was described to me. <laughs> no. Uh, literally, all you do is fortify position, react to enemy contact, and thin the herd. And That's then turn around and go home. And, and turn around to go home before anyone gets, you know, before you get roughed up too much. Yeah, you know? so you're just drawing a fight. That's all you're doing. That's all you're doing. That sounds horrible. Yeah, it, I mean, 360 <laughs> degrees. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand yeah. if you're at a fob or if you have cover and when you come into contact, but if you're just like out in the open trying to draw fire, that sounds horrendous. Yeah, you know, and we had a building. Yeah, <laughs> we had a building. We had a yeah. building. So we, we, you know, I mean, we had minimal, minimal wounded on that one. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of set the precedence and the tone for the rest of the deployment. Um, and it was just constant rod sites and, and follow on a mission as objectives, you mm-hmm. know, going after these guys. Uh, uh, we were we were really taking the fight to the enemy, you know. At that yeah. point in time, uh, really, um, we stepped back from that kind of hearts and minds and police like actions to you know going in, yeah, you know, to full decimation, yeah, yeah. essentially. So um, that leads me to the night that I finally got injured. Was you know we were going after an IED facilitator, someone who got who's I mean making bombs to to blow up our troops. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we go in, this was near Kandahar at the time, Panjaway province. Okay. Uh, 247s full of Rangers. Um, you know, we go into this objective knowing and been briefed that it's rigged. This, you know, there is explosives in the area. This mm-hmm. guy's obviously known for it. Yeah. You know, be vigilant. You know, we did training. We were doing uh, wire, you know, wire reflective training with your lasers and like, you know, clearing doors. And you'd get kind of the spider web effect yeah. on you know some of those things that they would they would rig them to your chest level okay. so that the children could run through. Of course, yeah, and the the adults would have to remember to duck. <laughs> so you know, I'm we land our forty seven lands both of them, and immediately upon touchdown, we hear this just huge bang. Yeah, goes on big bang below a smoke. And I'm like, what? I honestly thought that someone had, um, you know, ED'd the uh, 240. Oh, like a negligent discharge, like shot in the bird. Yeah, Yeah. indeed, uh, they're 240. ED is something else. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even want to ask. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so so we immediately landed on, I thought someone, I was like, what private just freaking... Like, I'm going to smoke someone. (laughs) Yeah, indeed, their rifle... um, but it turns out that it was, uh, you know, the DZ or the LZ had been rigged with uh, these sticks with wires and grenades attached to them. So we landed on an ID yeah, immediately. A little helo trap. And then it was just all out fucking war from there. It was like we exited, um, you know, in the back, secured the positions like normal. Mm-hmm. And to my right, immediate right was like this uh, cornfield. Mm-hmm. It was very odd. 
you know, um, and just, you see these just tracer rounds going through this, uh, like um, right as you're exiting the helo. Yeah, yeah, like tracer rounds going through this cornfield, like mm. just fucking them up while yeah. going by. You're just like, oh shit, oh shit, right? So we call in air support immediately, and they're just bombarding these these guys' areas. Do you My, know? What, do you know what came in? What type of air support came in? One thirty. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you really want to mess some stuff up. That's we how had, you do we it. We had a yeah. 130 and Apaches oh, on yeah. that. That's oh, it was a glorious combination. Glorious combination. Yeah. But yeah. still, you know, they were they were giving it to us. And, uh, you know, my objective was to secure the compound immediately mm-hmm. to our six, you know, from the bird. And, uh, you know, get our rangers in to establish that dominant position so that mm-hmm. we could react to contact. And, you know, so, I mean, dude, we're carrying, uh, I think they were... Uh, you know, 10, 12 foot ladders. No. Oh, so we have two people like on these ladders, <laughs> like chugging along, <laughs> running them, along. You know, we throw them up, uh, you know, on this compound wall that, you know, all these compounds in Afghanistan, you know, the eight foot walls, you know, yeah. eight, 10 foot walls. So we, we start putting my squad and the Afghan commandos over. Mm-hmm. And we get into this compound and it was massive. Oh, really? Like, it was like, yeah, it, I, I can't remember seeing it. It probably had a hundred rooms in it. It's like, <laughs> Jesus. It, yeah, it's like a, made out of mud, you know? It yeah. was insane. Beverly Hills, uh, Afghanistan. Yeah. Compound. So my guys are, you know, reacting to contract with very, they have concealment, not mm. much cover. Okay. You know, we're worried about while cl- clearing this that we're going to step on something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm pushing these Afghani commandos into rooms to clear it. And they're hesitating, man. Like, they're oh. terrified. Yeah. Um, so literally just kicking these guys into doors and then, you know... Uh, I get everybody dispersed into the proper areas and then I go into this room myself, start clearing rooms myself. Mm-hmm. And I just go into this room. It's very dark. See that there's an alleyway on the other side. You know, there's a room kind of like this 30 foot long alleyway and a wall with a door there. Okay. Right. So I go in, clear this alleyway, come back out, clear a couple more rooms. Uh, you know, you get a command called back clear, you know, is to mm-hmm. make sh- pretty much double check, check a little bit more vigilantly. You sure. know, if there's a rug on the wall, you know, you're looking behind it. You're, you're kind of making sure that it's very secure okay. and no one's hidden. So I go to back clear this, um, this alleyway. Mm-hmm. And noticed there's a do- door there. And I was like, I wonder if we could get our guys in. And I went to go back inside and stepped on an IED immediately. So there was a pressure plate that was buried at gr- in the ground yeah. um, that I missed like two times, two or three times. And there was... And just, I, look, I remember looking down and just stepping... And then just blasted in the face by this mm. and did this front flip right into this building. And, uh, yeah. So when that happened, what what exactly do you remember visually and, and audibly? You rem- remember the sound of the explosion? Did everything go white? I hear that a lot from yeah, I mean, you people see who this, step on IEDs. You see, yeah, you see this flash, um, you know... I was conscious for everything. Mm-hmm. Like I was able to recognize everything that was going on. Uh, you step down, you see this flash, you just feel this peppering. And then before you know it, you're on the ground. Yeah. And, you know, I was just laying there on my back. My nods, my night vision goggles were completely destroyed. Yeah. Blast off my helmet. Um, 
and I knew my legs were in trouble, like mm-hmm. for sure. I, and I tried to, you know, I just remember thinking that if I moved at, I was just terrified to move. Yeah, because secondary, right? I, yeah, yeah, I was like, if I move, there's obviously explosives in yeah, here. Like, like I'm, I'm going to roll onto one or something like that. And if I'm on the ground rolling, like I'm done, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, and on top of that, in your in your ear, you hear yeah. everything else in your team uh, going off and, you know, landslides called. Yeah. So, which is not what you want to hear. Yeah. And I just remember looking up, you know, through the doorway into the main compound and just seeing every ranger I know run right by, run right by. Yeah. That's a little bit heartbreaking. And that was the single most terrifying moment of my entire life Hmm. was when I was, I felt like I was completely alone in Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a hard feeling. It, It was terrified to move. You know, terrified because I'm alone in a dangerous country where everything's trying to kill me and not, you know, just knowing that I was screwed up like very badly. Were you able to feel pain at this point? Obviously, you know, something's wrong with your legs. Yeah, I would say that honestly, terror was kind of overwhelmed that, you know, at first, like there's... There's a million things that are like, I, I can't remember the last time I processed that much information in one go. Yeah. The amount of adrenaline. Yeah. Kicking and, through. But you're thinking about everything. You know, yeah. I was, you know, I had a relationship at the time. I was like, am I going to see her? Or like, why am I here? Everybody's leaving. Like, it's yeah. it just like all these kind of thoughts, you know, are happening at the same time. And then you have a decision to make, you know, and it it seems like a lifetime went by. And it's just a few seconds, probably. And it's seconds, yeah. yeah. I mean, you see the guys run and, you know, I I do have to say, you know, as a little disclaimer that when landslide is called, you know, because I told this story multiple times. Mm And everybody's like, they ran away? I would never yeah. do that. Yeah, no. Yes, you would. Yeah, you would do that because that purpose. is standard operating procedure yeah. so that other people don't go mass cash. Yep. Right? Yeah, because at that point, then everyone's useless and everyone dies. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, at that point, when I was able to kind of calm down a little bit mm-hmm. and just realize I didn't want to die there, is when I tried to move, you know, and I was just like, listen, if I'm going to hit something, I'm going to hit something. Like, I need to get out of here right now. Yep. And I went to roll over and, you know, obviously with these rod sites, you're carrying a lot of extra gear and I had my backpack on and could not move with it. So I literally jettisoned that thing, uh, grabbed my rifle and crawled out. Just low, low crawled out? Low crawled out of this room until we hit... Uh, till I got back into the main compound where mm-hmm. no one was at anymore, and I did like just remember seeing the 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 moon. You know, the moon yeah. was giving me the light that I needed just enough to look down at my legs and being like, "Oh shit, my foot's like hanging off at the time." And yeah, uh, my right leg was hanging off too, like this huge hole in my calf, and yeah, uh, my whole body is just burning. You know, yeah, uh, absolutely, my face, everything. And I imagine it's dead quiet out there at that point. But no, there's still there. a wicked, wicked firefight. Oh, there's going a firefight on. going oh, on yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I was like, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Like, you know, so we're getting out. Uh, so I get out to the main compound, look at my legs. I'm like, this is not good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I grab the tourniquet and I start putting that on my leg. And, you know, that's the time, the point when my guys came in. Okay. And started dragging me out. So they, 
still a wall to go over, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we obviously know that the compound is rigged to explode. So we're going to obviously exit the way we entered. Yep. Over a ladder. Over the ladder. And the way they brought me over that ladder was the most excruciating thing in my life. So I, they pulled me up where my back was dragging against the top. Mm-hmm. And then pulled my, continued to pull my body around so, you're, so that my legs got hooked on the wall as I was going over. Oh, and at that point, it was probably like 45 seconds, I blacked out. Yeah, yeah I imagine Just excruciating, excruciating pain. pain. And that's when my near-death experience happens. Mm-hmm. Like, the best way I could describe it is, you know, yeah, I'm, you know, we're from California, obviously. Mm-hmm. So at night at the beach, having like six shots <laughs> and staying in the the weight of the ocean. Yeah. Like I just felt like I remember thinking like I'm supposed to be somewhere important, mm-hmm. you know, like w- this is not right. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the wrong, wrong spot, right? Yeah. You like, felt like you're floating in the ocean or like just- getting like while the waves were crashing on the shore, like yeah. just at the break, okay. like that's what I felt like. Just, I couldn't see. And I was just like in this kind of loopy environment. And then I came back to right when they were dragging me to the position where they were going to perform Ranger first responder on me. Mm-hmm. And I just remember looking up and the best way I could describe it is just call of duty. You know, it's like, you see that the one thirty gunship just crushing these dudes, you know, helicopters flying by Rangers shouting, you got dudes and, over you working on you. And then I look over and under this hay field, just, I mean, feet away from me, IED. Shit. Right there, you know? And I literally point to it. Like, I point to this this thing right here. Yeah. I don't even get a word out. And they fucking drag me again. And it's like another around the corner. Yeah, so... Like, so get I to this, a safe spot and like, not safe, not keep safe. going. Uh, and at this point, I'm I'm just like thinking, like I'm not going to make it home. There's no way yeah. that that we're going to be able to get a bird in here to pull me out. And you know, my first sergeant uh, is is on the or my platoon sergeant's literally on you know calling the nine line, yeah. and he says, you know, medevac ETA forty five mics out, too long. And that's when I was like, hey, you know. You know, tell, I was in a relationship at the time. I was like, tell her I love her. And, you know, uh, that, that, that was a big thing for me. I looked at the, the PA that was, that happened to be there. Thank God. You know, (laughs) no kidding. And I was like, listen, like, just knock me out, dude. Yeah. (laughs) You know, did he? He's like, can't knock you out. Yeah. Nope. But I can give you something where you won't remember, you know, (laughs) so yeah, he, he gave me some stuff and then, uh, you know, I woke up in a hospital. So you don't remember the medevac ride or getting you know, loaded bits, up? Bits and pieces, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but ultimately it's a big blackout point. Even that litter ride to, yeah. the, to the bird was... Yeah, it's... I, yeah, I heard it was brutal. I heard it was brutal. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that in that situation. But apparently I was scenario. cracking jokes, which is good. People usually do when they're... It's usually ketamine or... <laughs> yeah, it's, They gave me ketamine. Yeah, it's yeah. usually ketamine and people immediately like... They forget that they're completely injured and they just start laughing and joking and everything's great. It's really, really wild to watch when somebody's like falling apart. You're like, why are you flirting with it? Yeah, they're like flirting with (laughs) yeah, flirting with the chicks or yeah. 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 So do you so you got the ketamine, you got loaded up on the bird. I I wanted to ask this. So 
your leg was basically hanging off, right? Your left leg is basically hanging off. Did it, did it come off at that point or did that have to get surgically removed later? Cause so that's, that's something that I if we know. fast forward a little bit, yeah. I, you know, we could come back to it, but you know, from getting the debrief on mm-hmm. that, um, essentially my foot was pretty close to that. Uh, I mean, it was hanging it was, off. It went uh, over the wall, but it yeah. was pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and 12 pounds of HME was built into the wall yeah. at head level that didn't detonate. Yeah. And so that, that would have killed everybody. Well, that would have, yeah, turned you into vapor. vapor. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it would have turned you into vapor. Yeah. He is no more. <laughs> and he disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. Pretty wild. So, uh, we kind of wanted to fill in like the, the aspect of what it's like from the rescue element when, when something happens like this. So, when... My, my my entire career in the Air Force was spent doing combat rescue, so picking up guys in Dave's position was what I did, and uh, a big attribute to what led me into rescue was Dave getting injured. I joined basically right before he had gotten injured, and that really solidified my decision to continue with rescue, but kind of want to cover what that's like. So when rescue is a lot of waiting around, right? It's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's 98% boring and 2% sheer terror is what we call yeah. it. And they're like firefighters. You sit around all day till the alarm goes off. Absolutely. And it's fucking go time. So in a situation like that, if there's a big op planned, usually being a, a Pedro element, which is kind of, it's a step above dust off for the most part with our capabilities. Um, dust off will argue till they're blue in the face. <laughs> but we're typically when an op is going on like that, We'll be briefed beforehand to be prepped for infill and ex, you know, infill exfill times. We know exactly when you guys are going in and exactly when you're coming out, so we're prepped and on standby. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, you guys are tracking the mission from the very beginning, watching it all happen live. ISR as well, yep. I'm sure. Yeah, we have ISR feeds. So, if there's yeah. a big mission going on, say there's only one big mission going on, we're just in the talk watching what? it happen. Now, let me ask you this. There's multiple screens you're watching mm-hmm. to at some point. Oh, right? yeah. There's, there's 18, 20 screens up in our talk with, you know, Intel's tracking a bunch of different yeah. things. But in this situation, so if, if we're tracking an op like that, we're on standby already, which basically means we're just at the compound waiting for it to go off. We can have one of two calls come over, or basically there's three calls. One is come into the talk, we'll brief about it. It seems like something is about to happen. We can go out. Two is something just happened, but it's not that big a deal. We'll come in, we'll brief, and then we'll go launch. Three is a scramble call, and that's the only one we can legally talk about, I guess, um, without giving away code words. But <laughs> scramble call is drop what you're doing at that moment, full sprint to the helicopter, get it started. So there's usually, we have a helicopter crew of four. Um, so there's two pilots, two back enders, both a flight engineer and gunner, and then we'll have two or three PJs on board. So basically what happens is I'll run out to the helicopter with a co-pilot. We'll get the helicopter started while the pilot and one of the PJs are in the talk getting a briefing. So helicopter's pretty much running. We can get it fully started in about seven minutes if you're really good. Nine is about average time frame, and that's really, really fast for a Blackhawk to start. So we're doing that. Pilot's getting a brief. The only things that we need from the nine line, and for those of you who don't know what a nine line is, it's a medevac request. It's nine specific lines of information that tell you about the injured party, about threats there, location, frequencies, what they're using to mark the LZ, if you can land there, stuff like that. 
most medevac elements require the full nine line, or at least six of the nine elements. Uh, Pedro, what I flew on, we only require three. Threat, mm-hmm. location, condition. We don't know, need to know what's going on. We need to know if you're alive or if you're dead, how fast you're dying. We need to know if there's enemies and where you're at. Yeah. And that's it. Much easier. We, we will take off. We will fly into the area with TLC, and that's it. And that's typically what we would do. So in that instance, there's a full firefight going on. AC-130 and Apaches are on, on the area. We're definitely going to press into that. So we would launch probably within seven minutes for an IED. That's life limber eyesight, right? So we're, we're launching immediately. From the Panjway province, we were out of Kandahar. So 45 minutes, at, or we were out of Bastion near Kandahar. That's a very long time. I'm mm. very surprised it took so long. They probably had to get retasked for years. Um, but usually in, in that area, I would say probably 15 to 20 minutes we could arrive on scene. And things that are going on in the helicopter at that time, we're continually trying to assess and, and get on comms with people who are on the ground to assess the threat. Obviously, there's an active threat in your area. So we're getting getting weapons ready. We're getting everything else. We're talking to Apaches to ensure that they're going to provide additional support at that moment. Um, and we're trying to figure out exactly where you guys are going to be in relation to the compound so we can land as close as possible so you don't have to walk very far. And ensuring that we're able to suppress the threat on the way in to provide cover to the helicopter that's going to provide pickup. So what we'll really do is one helicopter is designated, usually the trail bird is going to be pickup bird. The lead bird is going to be commanding the entire scenario. So they take command of the entire area, including Apaches, AC-130. At that moment, the helicopter, lead helicopter pilot's in charge of the entire area. So they start acting and directing different air assets to go to different areas, like, hey, go provide cover over here. We're infilling from this direction. We're coming in from the east. We're going to have a trail bird going and land while the lead bird spins a racetrack pattern, which allows them to provide additional cover uh, with you know the weapons that we have on board either 50 cows or miniguns. Mm-hmm. We'll go in, we'll either hoist you out or land if we can, load and exfil the area immediately back to the, to the hospital. Got a ho- hoist out would blow. Yes, and I, we've <laughs> done, I, I've done, yeah, a hoist un- under fire are not fun at all. It oh, is, you're, you're sitting still in the middle of the air, you know, 50, 60 feet up while, I mean, you're, you're sitting target, you know, yeah. you're a floating duck basically where people can just shoot at you. That shit gets pretty scary. But, I bet. So that's kind of what's happening on the rescue element. Those are the things that we're talking about, the things that we're considering as we're going into that area. And every time that I flew into an active firefight, it was never even never even a question. There was a reason that we were going in there. It wasn't for like a chemical burn or mm-hmm. somebody broke an ankle. Like people are actively dying. And we, everyone on board, both of those helicopters, you know, all 16, 18 people, however many is in the package, are ready and willing to die to save that individual's life. Yeah. And I've been in that circumstance many, many times. And that's that's basically exactly what would happen in that scenario. Yeah, that's insane. Try yeah. to fill that in a little bit. Well, I mean, I was on ketamine. So. Yeah, yeah. So you don't, <laughs> and you didn't, stuff. yeah, not really privy to comms or what the spin up looks like. Yeah, you know, the, you know, we're just very, you know, laser focused on the ground. Yeah. You know, yeah, of course. And, you know, it's pretty interesting hearing the capacity of like how Medivac takes command of mm-hmm. the battlefield, essentially, especially the airface, airspace, right? Is yeah. the, kind of the main priority, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it would have been nice to have Pedro there, brother. <laughs> Twenty-five minutes. Yeah, it was actually forty-seven minutes. That's that's a long time. To, yeah, that's it a, was long a long time. time. And but it's it's good you had a PA on the ground. I mean, if you just had somebody who had basic medical training, like you probably would have died, right? I mean, that PA. I, no, 
you know, Rangers are so well equipped mm. for medical, and and especially we have yeah, you know, two yeah. very well equipped infantry medics. But mm. every Ranger is is qualified in medical. Yeah. You know, it's pretty much uh, EM, EMT basic. Okay. You know? Yeah, that that provides a lot of support. Yeah, yeah. and then you're we're constantly training on these types of injuries. You mm. know, uh, bullet wounds. You know, tourniquet prep. You know, all that kind of stuff. E- even down to uh, you know, providing the IVs, you know, mm. every ranger is trained, you that's, know. Yeah, that's good shit to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially for circumstances like that when you have to wait 45 minutes. Yeah, you know, um, and <laughs> shit, I had a ranger put an IV in me too. Yeah. And I was like, you fuck, if you <laughs> blow past my... If you miss, I yeah. swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I think that... Um, you know, the biggest shock for me was not that moment too. It was, you know, the being in the hospital bed and so doing... Did you wake up in Kandahar or did you wake up in Germany? Kandahar. Okay. So I woke up in Kandahar and did the whole um, big reveal, I like to call it, mm-hmm. where, you know, I pulled the sheets back and one leg's managed up to high hell and the other one's just gone. Gone. What What's that moment like? Um... Shattering. Yeah. Yeah. Like I literally thought my life was over in that moment. You know, I thought mm-hmm. that, you know, I wasn't going to be able to do it, do a thing yeah. anymore. You know, it broke me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, know? absolutely. I mean, you've been operating at the highest possible levels you could be operating at as, as a ranger, three combat deployments in the middle of your third one, you know, kicking ass, taking names kind of, kind of deal. Yeah. And then that, Stops. Yeah, and that's exactly it. It's going from you know, uh, special operations warfighter to someone who couldn't even stand on crutches anymore. You know, I was so messed up. I end up you know going from 180 pounds, 85 pounds to 130 pounds, mm-hmm. like in a matter of weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just was trashed. I had shrapnel all over, like around my goggles. Yeah. So I had like a goggles mark. Mm-hmm. You know. My Good thing you had were, those on. I know. And I, you know, Rangers are not very good with eye pro, <laughs> any ear pro. They were like, yeah, we yeah, don't need it. Don't need that. <laughs> yeah, just do this. Good thing yeah. I wasn't wearing a boonie. <laughs> yeah, no shit. No shit. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was the, that was a little crushing for me. And, you know, yeah. I wake up to my uh, sergeant major that was sitting there. Mm-hmm. And, and he was actually a sergeant major from 1st Battalion. Okay. Um, and I literally, I wake up, do this big reveal, see that this guy's standing there. He was my favorite sergeant major, known to man. He's a great dude, and he had beautiful hair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, he, I looked at him, and I'm like, wait, it's first bats here, you know? Like, why is that, you know, why is he here? And I looked at him, and I said, with all due respect, sergeant major, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and he looks at me like, what are you talking <laughs> about, you know? And then just was like, well, you know, just in the AO, blah, 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 doing some stuff, but... He, he's like, is there anything you need? Anything I could get you? And he's, I was like, yeah, you know, I have some of my stuff, you know, that you could go back and get it for my hooch and stuff. Mm-hmm. He didn't get a single item that was mine. He just, it looked like he walked around the whole barracks and just uh, 
stole everybody's shit. Just grabbed some shit. I even got a free PSP from that. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, give me this. You don't need this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's going to need this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you that's know, funny. so that was, you know, I, I got the good support and that's when, you know, as a personal friend, you mm. would know too, you were actually one of the first people I've ca- I called. Yeah. Actually. I remember that moment very distinctly. Yeah. From the other side of the world. Yeah. Yeah, so you called that day, the, yeah, sec- the second day. Right? Hours, yeah. like probably an hour within waking up. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, re- I remember I was, at, I was at my other buddy's house. I was just getting ready to leave for basic training like a, a month later. So I was like doing all my prep. Um, and yeah, phone rings at like 10 o'clock at night. And I recognized that it was one of the redirected phone calls from Afghanistan. I'm like, okay, that, this is probably Dave calling. So pick up and super groggy Dave on the other side of the phone. Sounds like he's almost asleep or very, very ill. Hey man, like I just wanted to, you know, let you know I got hurt. And like that, that moment, like I remember everything stopping and I, I had to sit down immediately. Like what, what happened? You're like, Oh, I got blown up and I lost my leg. And that, what you learned on your second deployment, I learned yeah. before I went to the military, right? That's what I learned right then and there. And then obviously we, we t- talked a little bit further about what that meant and that you would be coming home soon. And that was about the length of the phone call. But I remember what that did to me, <clears throat> realizing that I was going into rescue. It's like, oh shit, I, I could be on, I could be responsible for saving somebody else's mm-hmm. life. And I will be now. And it could be it could very well be the same instance, and that I had to kind of think about that. Like, am I willing to take that responsibility? Because if I don't act to the best of my ability, mm-hmm. if I don't get the job done, like somebody else's friend, somebody else's son, somebody else's brother yeah. is going to die. And it made it very real for me right then and there. Um, that was a very very hard conversation to have with you. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I had to make that call with quite a few people. Yeah, your parents was, and. Parents and you know, lady at the time, and, yeah. Know, um, so yeah, that was that was rough for me too, and I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably and, a little rougher yeah, from your. And, and there, you know, there's a lot of background stuff that a lot of people don't talk about, even yeah. on our shows too. Is the briefings that they give you is like, mm-hmm. hey, listen, say this, this, and this. Don't say this. Like, yep. you know, you have to word it this way, or they're going to worry. Like, yep. and it's just like, and I'm like, I don't want to call them. Can you call them? Like, they're like, like no, we, we want can't. you. We need you to call them yeah. so that they know you're immediately okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just, you got an influx of that mm. on heavy amounts of drugs, copious amounts of oh, drugs. Yeah. And I loved my drugs. When I, was <laughs> I, was, I was, I was like, uh, introduced to morphine. It's good shit. For the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't use the bathroom ever, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was a rough, a rough journey, mm. you know, in the recovery section, you know, uh, 11 surgeries. Yeah. Um, on just revisions on my leg alone, um, you know, and going through the wound vax, mm-hmm. you know, where I, you know, I, I, it was difficult for me to even take a piss anymore, yeah. like, you know, brush my teeth even. Like yeah. I had all these hoses coming out of every dr- which direction. I couldn't have, obviously had no leg. This one, my other leg was ruined. So there yeah. was no getting into a, like, it was like getting into a wheelchair to move a foot. Yeah. You know, and on top of that, you have to situate these wound vacs and, you know, all these yeah. IV bags and all this stuff. It takes that you half an hour on. just to go to the bathroom at that yeah, point. Yeah, you know, and, um, you know, I remember the first time the PT came in with a pair of crutches. Mm. 
you know, after my leg heals up a little bit and she's like, all right, let's go for, let's go for a lap. And I said, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Like you want me to do what? I was like, no, it's not going to happen. But they persist and they came back every single day. Mm -hmm. And then finally it was just like, maybe I was annoyed by it or what. I was just like, let's give it a go. And then it was just, it was go from there. Yeah. So just this journey towards recovery. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's definitely soul crushing to go from, you know, that high impact dude. Yeah. To, I, dude, I can't, like, I, I, the first time I stood up on crutches, I just passed out. Like, they had the belt on me and I just, like, passed out. Jesus. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just rough. It's hard on your body. Yeah. But that determination and that will that they built into you or beat into you at Ranger School and yeah, at, that at no your quit unit, mentality. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, um, that, that benefited you tremendously. I yeah. And, you know, I always tell people in their journey to recovery that there's kind of two routes they could go. They could really let that defeat them. Mm-hmm you know, or they could use that to bolster themselves up, you know, and really overcome that and and become kind of a symbol or a message for others that have faced adversity in their life. And it starts with a choice, yeah. right? Oh, always. And, always. and you made the choice to utilize that and learn from it and help help teach others. I mean, yeah. You've been... Uh, kind of an icon with as as a wounded veteran and you've done a lot I'm like since a mascot. recovery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like a mascot. <laughs> Please come see our wounded person. Yes, I know the token. No, but but really I mean veteran. you are one of the most inspirational people I know. I'm I'm ecstatic to call you a friend and to still have you around here and uh I love you man. Um, I appreciate that. I love you too man. Yeah, glad you're still here. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been good. You know, uh, after after those eleven revisions, uh, you know, I was yeah, it was it was go 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 from there. Um, September tenth, September twentieth, two thousand ten is when I was hit. Mm-hmm. April was April two thousand eleven is when my last surgery was. Yeah, a couple of months I was on a prosthetic, and I mean, in April was my last surgery. In November I ran a half marathon. Yep, and I remember, I remember that. You yeah, know, training my butt off for running. Again, because I wanted to get back up to it. And, uh, you know, then went to college and... Now you're here. Now I'm here. Now I talk on a podcast. Now I talk <laughs> on a podcast, wherever they allow me to speak. <laughs> it's all scripted. Stay on the teleprompter. Please. Know, yeah, yes, please stay, yes. on, stay on cue. <laughs> well, thanks for, uh, thanks for opening up today, Dave. I know uh, people have been asking about it and they want to hear more about our stories yeah, and absolutely and we're gonna do you next oh i don't have a we're i don't have any good stories totally gonna do you next. boring that's a lie boring that alaska story of you hoisting out yeah that was pretty crazy someone from a swinging position we also stole a bunch of weed from the cartel lots of times oh yeah i've, yeah, I've done cool things too i've yes, done cool things that i swear to show you that it is okay to be a republican and like weed <laughs> <laughs> yes it is <laughs> yes, on that it is. note <laughs> Delta eight. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for opening up today, man. Seriously. Um, you've got a great story and I hope you continue to be an inspiration for people. Keep making that choice. Yeah. And listen, I mean, we'll hear some amazing stories to come. I mean, there's gotta be, uh, there's, there's so many of these unique stories out Mm. there. And, you know, we've been doing this for, for quite some time, you know, in the military community where, uh, it's important. It is. You know, it's important for the audience to really pick up and realize that everybody has a journey. You yeah. know, everybody's going through their own battles and facing their own adversities. Yeah. So when uh, when your coffee maker doesn't work in the morning, it's not the end of the world. 
Use these stories to uh, kind of equate your day-to-day routine and realize that shit's not so bad. And don't complain when gas prices go up, guys. You can, <laughs> you can absolutely complain when gas prices go up. I will. I'm doing it already. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, this has been the Medevac Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for watching today. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Bye. it.